It is good to see you tonight. Uh, I want to give you a lesson in snakeology. That's the study of snakes, for some of you who don't know. Since it is snake season in Louisiana. Now, on the screen is a coral snake and a king snake. I gave my wonderful assistant, who is the second smartest woman in the world, Brenda. Cindy, of course, is the smartest. Uh, Where is Cindy? Nothing else. That helps me, doesn't it? I asked Brenda, I said, pick out the king snake and pick out the coral snake. And, of course, she died by a wrong choice. Uh, Figuratively, not literally. That is a very deadly snake. Did you know that? That is a pretty snake like that, which is harmless. And there's a simple way you can tell them apart. Of course, you can let both of them bite you and determine what happens later. Or remember the little rhyme, red on yellow will kill a fella. Red on black, don't even jump back. (laughs) Red on yellow will kill a fella. And and seriously, uh, you know, the, the... Being able to identify them, we've killed three coral snakes out on our property in the last 13 years. Thank you for putting those out there, whoever did that, trying to get rid of me. Uh, But being able to identify those snakes could could be the difference in life and death. really is important. Well, this evening in 2 Peter chapter 2, 2 Peter 2, we're going to look for the next couple of weeks at something that is really important, and that's being able to identify false teaching and even false teachers, false teachings and false teachers. And I want us to begin with this. We're going to be in 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. False teachers and false teachings are not a new thing. You're saying, well, I thought that just happened when uh, TV preachers came along. No, that's, that's not true. In verse 1, it says, but false prophets, and I'm from the, preaching from the English Standard Version this evening. It says, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Peter is saying, look, guys, back in the Old Testament days, there were false prophets. People who said it's going to be all good when it was going to be all bad, right? And would tell the king to do something that was absolutely not what God wanted. There were false prophets then. Here we're about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. You'd think the church would just be humming along, perfect and beautiful. But there's already false prophets arising. And certainly there is and there has been in the last 2,000 years. It's interesting that in that verse it says, uh, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. The word destructive there means damnable. (laughs) It means ruinous. It means destructive heresies. The word heresy actually is not a bad word historically. It literally meant to choose or to select. But in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament used the word heresies to, to, to imply a wrong choice or to select a wrong avenue. In other words, a heresy in the New Testament, it was a devious or a faulty or a wrong teaching. It was something that was contrary to Scripture. When did this happen? Again, it happened in the Old Testament. It happened before Jesus was born. It was happening in Jesus' day. It was happening in Peter's day. It happens now. Here's one thing that's magnified this a little bit. It began with the radio, didn't it? You who 
remember radio preachers? I don't, but that was obviously a first avenue. And then you had TV preachers, didn't you? That many of us grew up with TV preachers. Now you can go on the internet and you can listen to a thousand sermons all the time from all over the world. You're going to hear some great things, but it also gives the opportunity to hear some junk too, doesn't it? So it's not new. Don't go, wow, boy, we live in a day of a lot of false teachers. They were saying the same thing 2,000 years ago. It's not new, but it doesn't mean it's good. So let's look at what, what to identify false teachings. And this is not an exhaustive list, but I think it's a, it's a good list from the scriptures. Here's the first thing. False teaching is often packaged well. It's packaged well. It has to be. To get into a church, to get into people who know a little bit about God, you can't just come in and burn the cross and tear the organ out and burn all the Bibles, can you? I mean, you, you can't do that. It, it's got to be packaged well. Let me give you two concepts. One is false teachers are often smooth. They're smooth. They have to be smooth, don't they? In verse 1, false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who secretly bring in destructive heresies. The word secretly is a, is a pretty multi-dimensional biblical word here. It means to, one meaning means to bring alongside. In other words, that false teachers and false teachings don't just drop out of the air, just show up some Sunday. They ease into a Bible study class. They ease into a pulpit. They ease into your reading selective list. A sexual predator, if, if somebody is just completely creepy looking and Googling all the women and the kids, you, the but the bells go off, right? But most sexual predators aren't that way. They, they can't be successful being that way. They have to be smooth and nice and friendly and blend in, correct? False teachers and false teaching normally doesn't come at us blatantly, automatically, at first, denying the virgin birth. It's smooth. It comes in uh, in a slick way. I like what the preacher and, and commentator Warren Wearsby said. He goes, false teachers and false teaching uses the same vocabulary we do, but with a different dictionary. Isn't that good? They'll talk about sin. They just don't mean the same thing. They'll talk about salvation. They just don't mean the same thing. Same vocabulary, different dictionary. That's very Uh, Very good and very important. Here's the second thing. Boy, this gets under my skin. Even among evangelical Christians, false teachers and false teachings, they hide things. They hide things. In verse 1, just this last part of it, who will secretly bring in destructive heresy. Secretively can also mean to hide something. And false teachers and false teaching, they have to, by the nature, at least initially, they have to hide themselves and hide their teaching. Literally, we get our English word camouflage from this word. Now, not that any of you men are good at it, but you hunt some, don't you? And you go out in the woods, you, you put on camouflage, camo, correct? Some of you paint your face, you'll buy the gear, you'll tell your wife, I just got to have this outfit. I just, you don't have to have it, but you think you do. But you, you, you do, and so that's great. You go out in the woods because you, want, you don't want the deer to go or the ducks to go, hey, there's the idiot right there. I can see him. I will avoid him. You want to blend in. False teachers come camouflaged. They want to blend in. And they're teaching, again, it sounds smooth, it sounds good, 
And a lot of times they won't tell you everything. Years ago, I was talking to someone in Fort Worth who was part of a group we would consider a cult. And they were trying to get me. Until you tell them you're a preacher, then they'll leave you alone. That's my card. But I was wanting to have a conversation with a person. And I knew some things about their organization. So I began to ask some questions that were a little bit, I don't think he was expecting from the guy at the apartment. And here's what he said, well, you come for a while, and we'll teach you, and then we'll reveal some of those things to you later. Folks, that is garbage. I want to tell you this evening, if you want to know anything about what I believe or this church believes, give me three minutes, and I'll, tell you, I'll answer any question you have. No, we can't go, I can't explain the book of Revelation in, in three years but I can tell you, the book of Revelation, it just ends like this. The bad guys lose, the good guys win, and Jesus wins in the end, okay? Listen, you do not need to hide what you believe or you need to change your stinking beliefs. And I see this among evangelical churches. Listen, if I, if I choke on ice cream and die this weekend, you'll know I died happy. You've got to get a pulpit committee. You start interviewing new preachers, you better get them to lay the cards on the table. And if they won't they give you a 50-minute answer for a two-second question, don't hire them. If they can't be clear about who Jesus is, salvation is, do you believe Jesus died for everybody? Tell me yes or no. Do you believe everybody can be saved? Tell me yes or no. Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Tell me yes or no. Don't give me a 15-minute question. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Well, no, is he? Yes or no? Are y'all with me? False teachers and false teachings like to hide and disguise things because they're not going to pull many of you in if they lay the cards on the table on the front end. They're smooth. Here's the third thing. Watch the M&Ms. Now, I know you're hungry. I'm hungry. Cindy and I have M&Ms at the house just in case my blood sugar drops and I need to, you know... What are the M&Ms? We're not talking about the good stuff. We're talking about the bad stuff. Here's the first thing. Watch what they teach on moral issues. What do they teach on the, the morality issues? In verse 2, many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the truth will be blasphemed. Sensuality here means blatant immorality. It means debased sexual immorality. What is he saying here? Well, I think he's saying that false teachers and false teachings, and again, not all of these are going to be components of every false teacher or false teaching, but some of these are. They may be vague on the moral things, or they may just not have the right beliefs on morality. Now, this is the hot potato today, but I want to tell you, here's what you ought to ask a prospective preacher. If you're looking for a church, you ought to ask the church. Uh, you, you ought to ask them up front, what do you believe about homosexuality? Here's the two extremes today. Some churches and Christians are hateful. That's wrong. Some Christians and churches and pastors say, well, that's just how it is today, and we will let them be deacons and preachers, and, and then, you know what? That's wrong. That's wrong. Homosexuality, like adultery and fornication, are sexual sins, and they're wrong. The right thing is, is we love everybody. God loves everybody, but we don't compromise the truth. Watch what people teach on moral issues. And you say, well, I don't know if I like that or not. 
Find out what the Bible says. That's where you hang out on, okay? Here's the second thing on this Eminem with the more. How do they live morally? Now, this is interesting. In verse 2, I believe in, in the best commentators I've read that this is talking about what they teach as well as they live. Many will follow their sensuality. Many of their followers follow what their leaders are doing, and they are morally bankrupt. William Barclay, a great New Testament commentator, says this, this sensuality is this blatant immorality. It's the person who has lost shame over the vilest of sexual things. Sound, sound normal in our world today, doesn't it? Behaving in a reckless way sexually, like there's no accountability. And, and again, you go, well, now, could this be a preacher or, or, or a minister? Well, it sure could be. Sure could be, and it could be certainly more in the days ahead. It certainly was in Peter's day, if you can imagine that. Pay attention to not only what a person says, but pay attention to what they do. Pay attention to what they believe about honesty, integrity, and sexuality. Pay attention to what they teach. Pay attention to what they do, because a false teacher is not someone who makes an occasional mistake. A false teacher is someone who teaches and lives lies. Here's the third thing. Watch what they teach about money here. Part of the M&Ms. Verse 3, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. The word greed means to covet or to want more in excess. It's interesting. It says exploit here. And the word exploit was a marketing term. In other words, they're going to they're gonna market you or sell you to get your money. Just honestly, this is talking kind of about what we would say the wealth gospel of today. Folks, I believe with all my heart you should tithe. I believe you ought to give to the Gideons, the Building Fund, the Lottie Moon, other things and life choices and other great places as you can. You tithe and you give above and beyond as you can. And I believe God will bless you when you do that. I do not believe that because you do that, God's going to make you rich. I believe that 90% of your money given 10 to God goes farther than 100% kept for you. I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe it's going to make you rich. It's interesting, too, when he says they will exploit you with false words. The word false there in your Bibles is that we, we get our English word plastic from that. The word false here means artificial or fake. It was the difference in a clay pot and a painted up nice looking plastic pot. <laughs> and I'm not anti-plastic, but it's just not the same thing. And he's saying they are, they are selling you something Cheap, phony words to get your money. It was very common in this day for traveling prophets and, and uh, fortune tellers to travel around and they would beg for money or they would say, we will heal you, we will do this for you, but you got, you got to pay me first. And he's saying false prophets do the same thing. False prophets are people who teach a wrong understanding of money. Listen, I believe the church, we don't speak enough about money because the Bible addresses it a lot. But again, when our emphasis becomes you give uh, and it's going to make you rich, that's a false teaching. But here's the second part of this money thing. Look, watch how they live in regards to money. How do they live in regards to money? In verse 3, and in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. They're exploiting you for gain. 
Okay, this is tough because I'm kicking my own profession here. But I, I read this today and I just thought it was so good. A preacher ought to make a living, not a killing. A preacher ought to have a nice house, not an amusement park. <laughs> a preacher ought to have a nice car, not a limousine. You agree with that? I remember when my first church, and I think it was the motto, is we're, if God will keep you humble, we'll keep you poor. No, they paid me as well as they could. Their motto was, we're going to keep you humble and poor. And I'm teasing on that. The church ought to pay their ministers what they can. I mean, it's, it's not noble to not pay your people well. Bible, so read, read in, in, in 1 Timothy where it talks about that. But what he's talking about here is that when a minister, and by the way, this would apply to you too, and all this, not just false teachers, when your morals are upside down, when, when you're smooth and deceptive in what you believe and the way you behave, when you're greedy and trying to get money from others, that's sinful too. But a false prophet and a false teacher is real concerned about the kingdom they're building for themselves. How many of you know the name Warren Jeffs? Do you recognize that name? Warren Jeffs might be the epitome of what Peter's talking about here. Warren Jeffs was the head of a fundamentalist Mormon, not a mainstream Mormon group, but a fundamentalist Mormon group. And back about a decade ago, he was sentenced to two life uh, terms in prison with no chance of parole for having sex with uh, he was convicted of 12 and a 15 year old I bet if the truth came out it would be astonishing his followers said they believed he had as many as 70 wives men you go home tonight and you think man I can't make my wife happy what if you had 70 70 and you know what I've talked to women and the more they think about it they think that'd be a good gig for them we wouldn't have to see you but every other week and uh, you know, but anyway, I digress. Warren Jeffs also, when he was arrested, was the owner of the church's property in three different states, valued at a hundred million dollars. Folks, I think that's what Peter's saying there. That's the extreme. And if those poor people he was exploiting would have known the scriptures better, they would have said, this is wrong. And they would have gotten rid of him. Pay attention to the M&Ms. Let me give you the Jesus test, though, is the ultimate test. Now, here's how you really discern, ultimately, a false prophet versus someone who has just gotten off base or they're sinning or they're uh, messed up. This is, this is the ultimate thing here. In verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there were false prop teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master Jesus who bought them. Wow, this is not good, is it? The word bought there is talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, folks, I, I'm going to explain this more later and more in the weeks ahead. Most, most scholars, and I believe this too, that these false prophets here are not Christians. These are, these are lost, lost people that he's talking about. And when he's talking about bought, though, he's talking about Christ died for us. He died for all of us. And this is a good play here for what we talked about in the Calvinism for unlimited atonement, that, that Jesus bought their salvation too. They just never acted on it. And that they are denying him, they are rejecting him or saying they do not know who he is. And by the way, folks, this is the ultimate 
proof of someone who's off base is when they're wrong about Jesus Christ. Gnosticism was a false teaching that was coming up. Part of Gnosticism believed that, that the body was evil, that spirit was good. No way Jesus could have been in the flesh. Uh, no way Jesus arose from the dead. The body, the body's terrible. Uh, folks, listen, if you're wrong on Jesus, you're wrong. You're wrong. Here's some things you hear today. Jesus is a son of God. Jesus is one of several gods. Jesus is a good teacher and a prophet. Jesus is one of the ways to heaven. Let me give you the orthodox the basic beliefs about Jesus that your preacher, your teacher, and you need to be right on. Jesus Christ is God. He is part, part we have one God made it known in three ways. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived on this earth sinless, 100% man and 100% God. He literally died on the cross. He literally walked out of the tomb. He literally ascended to heaven and he's coming back someday. We call that the second coming. And there's no other way that man can be saved except through Jesus Christ. That's the orthodox belief on Jesus. And I'm not trying to be hateful to anybody. Who knows, 10 years from now, I might get thrown in jail for saying that. That's what the Bible teaches. If someone's teaching something different from that, put on your running shoes and get away from them. Here's the fifth thing. False teachers produce bad fruit. Well, that's easy, isn't it? Let me give you two thoughts on this. One, they lead other people astray. Verse 2, and many follow their sensuality. False teaching is not a victimless crime. I'm not sure I know what a victimless crime is anyway, but you hear that all day. It was a victimless crime. Then why is it a crime? But false teaching is not a victimless crime. It hurts people. It keeps people from being saved. It, it, it gets saved people derailed. It ruins churches. Not only that, they hurt Christianity. They hurt the cause of Christ. In verse 2, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. Truth is talking about Christianity here. Our faith, blaspheme, means to injure the reputation of someone. Listen, when people teach things that are contrary to the Bible, when they live immorally, when they teach wrong things about Jesus, they blaspheme the name of Christ. They injure the reputation of Christians. They injure the reputation of the church. Warren Jeff, she go, well, that was a guy out in the middle of nowhere. That doesn't affect us. There are people all over the world that don't know the difference between a Protestant, a Catholic, and a Mormon. They just think we're all Christian. That does hurt us when someone does something like that. False teaching and false teachers cause a lot of damage, and they cause a lot of shame to the name of Christ. But lastly, there's going to be a reckoning. And this is not only for them. This needs to be something you and I think about. There's going to be a reckoning for all of us. In verse 1, at the end of it, it says, they secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Swift means unexpectedly. They're eating and drinking and being merry and making money and having sex with whoever they want to. 
laughing about Christianity, and swiftly, God, it says, brings destruction. By the way, that word destruction in the New Testament almost always refers to judgment and damnation of lost people. In verse 3, verse 3, it says, And in their greed they will exploit you. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Folks, sometimes we think, when is God going to do something? When is God going to act? God's clock is not the same as yours and mine. I wish it was, don't you? But it's not. And it's not because I believe God's trying to give people, including false teachers, time to repent. Because here's the facts. If people live like this and act like this and teach like this, or if that's you and me, God's given us time, but it's already determined. You end up like that in the end, you're going to get your head eternally knocked off. God's not asleep. God's not idle. God's words are not vain. There's going to be a reckoning for all of us. But when you see that person on TV or you hear that preacher, and it bothers you, and you can look at Scripture and say, that's wrong, just pray for them. Pray they'll get saved, they'll get right with God. But no, God's not asleep. He's watching what's going on. And so here's what I want to challenge you and me with this evening. First of all, if you're here tonight and and you've never given your life to Christ, that's always the starting point. There's no starting point without that. You say, well, I know the Bible. I've been in church. So did these false teachers. Come and give your life to Christ tonight if you never have. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. We're a church going to lift up Jesus, going to hold on to the truth, and try to love you in the process. Come join us. Christian, tonight... Keep your nose in the Bible. Keep your heart close to Jesus. Pray for those people who are away and stay away from them. Where you're standing or at the altar, let's do business with God. Let's stand. Wayne's going to lead us in a time of invitation.